Welcome to Shofar Planted 2020 for the UK and Europe. Due to the restrictions of COVID-19, we can unfortunately not spend time in the lovely English countryside as planned, but we still trust that this will be a memorable time together. We trust that you will be able to follow all the sessions with us and that the discussions will lead us to action after the weekend. Therefore, we changed the format of the sessions this year to be followed with discussions and feedback after each session in breakout room format. Because you selected the stream you would like to follow with registration already, we will be able to allocate you into that breakout room straight after the session. Kindly bear with us as we do the allocation after each session manually. You will automatically be redirected to the main session after each discussion session for feedback to the main group. The next session will start at 2 p.m. Our speaker will be Darkian van der Fien and he will talk about creating a culture of growth. Kindly keep your Zoom audio on mute during the speaker sessions in order to avoid background noise. Wake up, you sleeping giant, for your time has come. Let your eyes be opened, for the sky is the limit and your sight restored. Wake up, you sleeping giant, for your time has come. No reason to be called the little one, for your wisdom has exceeded, and others seek for your guidance. Wake up, you sleeping giant, for your time has come. You will break new ground among the nations, for your head is like flint, and no ground too hard for your master. Wake up, you sleeping giant, for your time has come. Break your shackles, there are no limits, for the new thing will be fresh in your understanding, and the old forgotten. Wake up, you sleeping giant, for your time has come. Call forth the ones set aside for his glory, for they will break forth as sons of the kingdom, and flow like a river in the desert. Wake up, you sleeping giant, for your time has come. You will be raised for greatness in the light of his glory, to echo his story with revelations to the nations. Wake up, your sleeping giant. Our next speaker is Hercules Opperman. Hercules is married to Milani and they have three beautiful daughters. They are pastoring the Shofar London congregation and are passionate about leadership development. Hercules is the regional leader for the UK and Europe region and also serves on the apostolic team of Shofar. I want to just this morning start, um, I always have the privilege of <laughs> at, uh, at the Europe UK um, planted, just um, do an introduction uh, to the weekend and the theme that that God has been speaking to us about. And um, and this year we we clearly uh, took a verse or a scripture out of Isaiah forty three verse ten to thirteen. And I want to just 
quickly give some context and then the rest of the speakers can this weekend, you know, share um, more with you guys. But um, it, uh, it really is busy touching my, my life. And I, I can maybe just say, you know, before uh, lockdown, I had a few different um, uh, yeah, perceptions about things. And it's clearly, you know, things that God is challenging. And, um, you know, it's, I think for you, the same. This is a time of, of reflection, a time really where God pre is preparing us um, for, for new things. But one thing that we cannot afford is to not change, um, to take the same things that we've done in the past and think that it's going to work in the new season. It's very clear that God wants to do something new and with new things, it always means that we need to change to adapt to God's plan. And we can, you know, get caught up in all kinds of uh, theories and, um, you know, uh, these days, there's so many people with opinions. Um, it's just unbelievable. Um, but we can we can either focus on those things or we can really come to a place where we connect with God's heart and realize that he wants to do something and we must get onto his page. And uh, Isaiah 43, verse 10 to 13. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen that you may know and believe me and understand that I'm he. I want to read it again because often we read scriptures and, and then we uh, forget to, uh, to focus. So uh, please, if, if you even have your Bible, please take your Bible out. It's amazing how um, a Bible in your hand can, uh, can make more sense. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I've chosen that you may know and believe me and understand that I'm he. Before me, no God was formed, or shall there be any after me. I am the Lord, and besides me, there is no savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you, and you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. And I'm God. Also, henceforth, I am he. There's none who can deliver from my hand. I work. And who can turn it back? Um, yeah, and, and it's clear that um, echoing through the nations, God is talking about a transformation that happens within our lives so that we can echo his glory. Um, he, he chose us, he says. You know, he, uh, he has given us the opportunity to be um, one of two things, his witnesses and his servant. Um, and, uh, and he wants us to be transformed so much that we can actually echo his attributes to people around us. But it, it, it is so beautiful here in, in verse 10. It says, and my servant whom I've chosen that you may know and believe me and understand that I'm he. And our focus many times are so on being servants and being witnesses to God that we forget that it starts with knowing, believing and understanding him. <laughs> Uh, coming to a greater knowledge of, of who he is and what he is doing in our lives. And, um, and you know, I want to this morning just unpack that and trust that God is going to bring us to that focus. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 9 to uh, 24 speaks of Elijah and a time in Elijah's life where he was truly challenged. 1 King 
Kings 17, verse 9 to 24. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded, and I want you to make a note there, um, because it's going to help you later on. Commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go into and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards, uh, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, mark that the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, what have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber. We lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah and the life of the child came into him again and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, this is beautiful. Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. Now, there's three things that I want to leave with you and, and hopefully we can discuss it um, in our groups this morning as well. The first one is, God provides when he is set first. Um, we've got a little slogan here at uh, the UK church um, uh, to, to put God first, uh, reaching the nations by putting God first. And, um, and I want to first of all say that God provides when he is set first. When we get our priorities straight, when we get to a place where we can actually allow him to be the focus of our lives, he starts to provide for our lives. And this is evident in 
um, in what happened to Elijah at this time. God fed him at the brook of Cherith, and um, Cherith means place of divide or separation. And, um, and then it says there in verse 4, you shall drink from the brook, and, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. God brings into our lives the, um, the blessing of his provision when we put him first. And God even went further in um, commanding the widow. Now, you know, if you ask the widow at that stage, and if you look at the story of Elijah, it's evident that, um, you know, if, if, if um, Elijah went to, to her house and see her walking about and, um, and he confronted her to, to give to him to uh, supply his needs. I think, you know, God said he commanded her. She would ask um, Elijah, Elijah, so are you missing the point? Are you missing, you know, this picture? Are you not understanding where I'm coming from? I'm um, a woman that has such little uh, supply that um, I will, I've already planned the last bit that I've got so that we can just survive for a few more days. Can't you even see the clothes that I'm uh, clothed with? Uh, clearly this picture must make sense to you. And yet it says that God commanded the widow to, uh, to bless him, to, um, to take care of him. And, uh, this is something that happens in Elijah's life because when he receives the word from God to go, every time that God directs him in his life, he sees God's provision unfold. Now, maybe the, uh, the widow was not as prepared as she could be in focusing on God, but I can tell you, coming from her situation and the desperate need that she had clearly at such a time of her life, um, this lady was not just a widow in a great need of supply, but also of hope, of a future, of, of something that will happen that will actually allow her and her son to have a better life, uh, better things to happen. And in Elijah's obedience just to follow God and to put him first and to make his priorities the first thing that he follows in his life, God starts to provide to this lady. And, you know, the benefit is that, that there's hope again, that her cupboards are filled again, filled again. There's food on the table again. There's something for her to live for and hope to be in, installed into um, the son of her's life again. And this is exactly what happens when we start to put God first in our lives is, you know, it's strange how we get so busy with everyday life that we forget how to put God first, how to make him the greatest priority and then see puzzle pieces fall um, together in our lives. Um, because, you know, we, we, we always get so busy with our priorities and our idols and our focus areas that we forget that it's only when we can change a culture in our lives of focusing on God first that we will see things happen for us. Because this is also a time where God provides for the giver. God actually give to her so that she can give to Elijah. And this is the beautiful story when you start to put God first is that it means that afterwards uh, make something for yourself so that the jar of flour shall not be spent. There will be more than enough. 
And this is what happens when you start to prioritize God and uh, set him first, is that he provides so that you can even provide to others and you can bring hope into their lives. And these puzzle pieces come together because there's always people that God surrounds you with um, that is also prepared for what he has prepared your life for. But we must put our priorities second. Idols above God becomes a stumbling block um, for God's provision to flow in our lives. And we choose our needs first so that God, um, you know, cannot um, provide in that which uh, we must receive. And you know what um, this uh, widow says to Elijah? She says, listen, I've already planned. And this is so typical um, of us in our lives is that often we say to God, God, but I've got my life planned. I've got my weeks, my months, my years planned ahead. I've already made commitments for the next three years. I've made com commitments for the next five. God, I have a plan for my life. <laughs> the problem is to put God first, you must be able to put your own idols and your own schedule and your own um, ideas aside so that God can start to provide for his plans in your life. It will cost you to prioritize. <laughs> it means that the, um, the enemy will distract you to keep focusing. The biggest problem is not to, to get the provision. The biggest problem is to see the, to, to get focused, to start to, uh, to focus on what really matters and what God wants to do. I mean, it's, it's strange a weekend like this when you've um, for months, you know, just heard God saying things, you know, beautiful things are going to happen. People's lives are going to be transformed. It's strange that a few days beforehand, you get these messages from people saying to you, you know what, we struggle because there's so many things going on in our lives. And, and, and you realize there's a war because when you start to put God first, and I'm, please, I'm not saying feel condemned if you can't be here the whole time or anything like that. That's not why I'm saying this. What I am saying is that it's strange that when we want to put God first, how the enemy comes to distract us to not focus on the most important things. And so for that provision to flow in our lives, we must allow ourselves to be positioned in a place where he is the idol in our life. He's the priority. God's ways are not our ways. Let's settle that again this morning. We say it to one another so many times, but I can tell you, we don't, and, and you know, I, I was, um, you know, just having this conversation with God. I said, God, you say um, in that first verse, you say, that you may know and believe and understand that I am he. And um, I hope that understanding is, uh, is limited to, um, to at least just know that God is, is the ultimate, the focus. Uh, because if it means that we must understand God and understand his ways, I can tell you I've tried my whole life and I'm still not getting it. There's a place where we enter and know that to trust God means that we won't always understand. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The scripture that we often um, 
just a quote to one another. But do we really believe it? Do we really believe focusing on God first? Philippians 4 verse 19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He is faithful to fulfill that which he has promised. Verse 16 says, The jar of oil was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty. So the first one that I want to leave with you, and I, and I hope you're going to remember these three things. The first one is that God provides whenever we set him first. The second one is God directs when he is set first. Um, God directed Elijah to go to King Ahab at this time and to declare a drought over the land. Um, and he told him to um, also go to the brook of Cherith. He uh, then said to him, Listen, the brook has dried up. Go to the widow. Every time in Elijah's life where pivotal things had to happen, he was following the command of God, the directive of God. Um, and, you know, it's clear that when we start to put God first, he will speak to us. He will tell us what to do next. Um, not always as we want to know in the far future you know, some people get so stuck in trying to figure out where God is heading with them in the long run and what is God's greater plan for them and what is God going to do awesome things in the future that they get stuck in the future and an expectation for what is going to happen and forget to live for what is God doing right now and uh, for me, this is a lesson, lesson. When we put God first, there's always provision for provision and directives for what he wants to do today in your life, what he wants to do tomorrow in your life. Because, um, because Elijah was so um, used to even following the directives of God, he could recognize the widow that was busy um, picking up the sticks. And, uh, you know, I remember coming to, to London and, you know, oh, so many times in my life where, you know, major changes happened, how God would lead me. Um, and it was always involving other people that he connects me with. And uh, coming to London, I remember the first thing that I asked God, God, just connect me with the people that has the same heart than I've got. You know, the people that that um, when you spend time with them, then they, you know, the same baby leaps in their womb, like um, John and, and, and Jesus in the wombs of their mothers. You know, a place where you connect with people and you realize that um, God is speaking to them about the same things. That doesn't mean that they are the most wonderful and the most great people and sometimes the weirdest people in your life that God is using. But for certain seasons in your life, God, directs other people to, to fit into the puzzle piece that you are in and, um, and you start to celebrate the same things that God is busy doing. And this is where Elijah recognized this widow and he, and he recognized what God said to him and immediately he could connect with God's provision in his life. Now, God always directs us out of what we have, the little that he had and, and he was asking the um, the widow to, to provide the little oil. 
And so I want to say to you, don't think about what you're going to have one day and someday. Um, start to focus on what God has given you already. You've got something in your hand that you can work with that God can multiply and use in this season of your life. Stop to wait for the great things that's going to happen and make the best out of what God has given you now. For the little boy, it was five bread and two fish that he could um, bring to Jesus, and that brought the miracle. It is important to note at this time also that Elijah was called for amazing, great things. And, and, and if you ask Elijah, and, and, and I can tell you, Elijah was not always perfect. He made major uh, mistakes. Uh, if, it, if it was for Elijah, he wanted to rather do great exploits like um, the Baal prophets and, and uh, you know, even going to, to um, Mount Horeb to go and speak to God. And, you know, he's got this expectation that God's going to shake the earth and do great exploits in speaking to him. But it's that small, still voice in Elijah's life that directs him into the next phase of his life. And then God speaks to him and he says to him, you go back and crown the king. <laughs> and you go and anoint um, Elisha. The directives follow when we have the small voice of God operating in our lives. It's not the major things that we are waiting for to happen in the future. It's at a place where we understand that God directs us one step at a time. Um, but first, God had to call Elijah into a time of separation. And you must remember the context of this scripture is actually um, Elijah now calls this major drought over Israel, speaking to King Ahab. Um, for most of us, this would have been such a glory cloud. It would have been this amazing thing happening. And we probably would have taken a selfie and post it on Facebook and allow the whole world to know that there's victory. We've you know, moved in the power of God and great things is about to happen. And yet, you know, what's the next step in, in Elijah's life? Elijah, go and hide yourself. <laughs> go to the to the, um, the little spring at um, Cherith and, um, and go and prepare yourself for the next assignment. And sometimes, you know, we are so fascinated by the amazing things that God is doing in our lives and we are, you know, um, stretching ourselves toward even proclaiming it and, you know, witnessing it. And then God wants to just remind us that, you know, there's an next assignment. There's a... Uh, there's something that I want to talk to you about because there's a time of separation first. And for, for Elijah, this even meant to get to hear God's voice even clearer, to prioritize his voice above all the other voices in his life. And for some of us, I want to say to you here at um, Planted this year, you must go and silence the other voices in your life first. For some of you, it's your mobile phone, it's maybe your TV, it's um, even your friendships, <laughs> it's, uh, it's even your social life, it's your work, your boss that always phones you in the middle of the night or over weekends or whenever, 
And I'm not saying be disobedient, please. That's not what I'm saying today. But what I want to tell you is that there's so many voices that is fighting to be priority and the idol in your life until you can silence them and make God the priority and start to listen to his voice. You will not be able to be directed by him. But God honors us, you know, if we get to a point of prioritizing him, listening to his voice and step out and do whatever he calls us to do. And this is what Elijah does. Because for three years, he had to, to um, minister to, to a two-man um, congregation. Two people <laughs> that he had to, uh, to minister to for three years. And, uh, you know, it, it would make some of us crazy. It, you know, even the provision from God that came at this time at the, at the brook of Cherith was um, every evening and every morning exactly the same food. And for some of us, we will get so discouraged in our Christian walk that we will long already, um, you know, depart and do other things. Well, for Elijah, this means that, you know, just keep on focusing. The last assignment was go to the widow, minister to her and her son until I tell you to go forward. Go to Cherith and um, stay there until I dry that little brook. And um, for some of us, I want to tell you, you've lost a little bit of track on the last assignment. And you must return so that God can take you to, uh, to the next one. But finish the, the first one um, uh, in, um, in a stride. Elijah just, at this uh, moment of his life, you know, get to a place of, of perfect obedience. God's response um, is to follow up with an assignment with him. And, um, and this preparation in uh, Elijah's life takes time. It takes time because um, he need, needed to go through preparation. I want to tell you, for, for you as a Christian, and especially in um, the kind of uh, lifestyles that we are living these days, we don't want to go through hardship, and we don't want to sacrifice and, and wait until God speaks to us someday. Not, uh, definitely not for three years. <laughs> Um, till God speak and, and, and tell us the next um, assignment. But God chooses to hide you for a time so that he can prepare you for greater purpose. This is the place where God withholds what you wanted the most. Cherith is the place where God closes the door on what you wanted to do for him and replace it with what he wants to do through you. We see this um, in the lives of Joseph, Moses, David, uh, big men of God that had to go through a lockdown, <laughs> a time of preparation. And um, I can tell you for, for, for your life uh, at this stage, lockdown was designed for all of us to, uh, to start to not echo ourselves further on, but to start to echo God in us. The only way that you can echo God in you is when you, you start to die within your own echoing uh, of your own life. And, um, and this is one step at a time. Uh, to trust God just to show us the next step, to be obedient in that. 
Um, the third thing that I want to mention is God backs those who get him first. Um, verse 24, we see the, the testimony of the widow. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. <laughs> yeah, this is a, a difficult thing because when we walk out in faith, we set God first and we even uh, declare that God um, has done and is doing things in our lives. We are confronted and, and, and you know, I've had people in my life that uh, through the years have um, came, come to me and, and, and just say to me, listen, is, is Jesus still in your boat? You know, is he still, um, you know, um, uh, lying in the boat? And uh, my response always is Jesus cannot depart the boat if he's the one that directs it from the beginning. If this assignment was set out from God in your life, then Jesus will be in the boat and he will calm the storm at the right time. Yes, the storms will come but he will back you when uh, the storm is at its worst. And I've seen it time and time again. Whenever I put God first, there's always the, th the th threat of, you know, the opposition that comes and you start to uh, doubt yourself. You start to think, yes, and that this happens to pastors as well. This happens to the best of us, the most mature Christians. You get confronted with, uh, confronted with um, the question, you know, did I really hear God correctly from the beginning? <laughs> and this is the time when you must remind yourself that Jesus is in the boat because he commanded this boat to sail to the other side. He was the one that from the beginning said this thing must go. So he's going to back me all the way to get to the other side. And and for you and I, this is a great challenge. This is difficult, but um, unless we can overcome these um, uh, th threats in our lives, we cannot go to the next level of what God wants to do, or even the, the next assignment. And it's always nice to start an assignment. You've heard from God, you're excited, and things are busy happening through your life. But you know what? When the, the tire hits um, the road, you and I must stick it through and we must trust that God will bring his backing because he was the one that directed you from the beginning and it always happened like that and God always is faithful enough to come through so I want to end off this session with just four things and I'm not going to spend much more time I know that um, you guys are probably already um, thinking of coffee but um, the first thing about setting God first is we need to declare God's plan in our lives. Now, you know, I've, I've gone through this, you know, a few months ago, uh, Pastor Yinka, um, I'm doing a, a course there with uh, guys that uh, we really um, treasure here in the UK as well, that's walking the road with us as well, people that, that has the same... Um, just values and, and excitement about Christ. And um, I've done a little pioneer course with them, you know, in church planting and, um, you know, sitting among other church planters and, 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 and leaders, 
you know, um, the first question in the first session was, okay, so can you tell us what you are trusting God for? What, what is the vision that he's given you that you are trusting him for um, that um, you are following at this moment uh, within the next few years? And you know what goes through your mind when you, you don't know the other pastors, you know that some of them have big churches and, you know, this happens with pastors, okay? They sometimes um, get distracted and think about, you know, what God is doing in somebody else's ministry. But, um, you know, I, I've, I've been listening to them and, and they're sharing their stories. And, and I think by myself, you know what? I often share it with the congregation and I know where we are heading, but to tell it to these guys is quite difficult because I realized that within a year from now, they're going to ask me, so did you actually fulfill that vision that God has given you? Did you actually commit yourself to, um, to that vision in such a way that you trusted him and stood in faith so that God could do that thing? So whatever you say now is going to have to, uh, to, to be an accountability um, with these guys. And, uh, and I realized that's exactly what happens through declaration is when we hear what God is saying to us uh, and we start to declare what God has said to us, it allows us to start to step out in faith because we are putting him first in our lives. And it's not your plan that you need to fabricate, but it's his plan that you need to start to join in. Now, I, I, I know you must listen to this one again because um, the focus is not on you and your creativity and your ability to formulate great visions, but on what he is doing because God is not confused in your circumstances, in your city, wherever you come from, God is already at a place where he's moving. He's doing great exploits. All that he's asking you to do is to come and join him, which means that you and I need to go and catch the little flame that is already burning and start to fan that so that it will become a great felt fire, a consuming fire. And, and you know, with, with the ministries, and we're going to talk about the ministries after this now in our breakout rooms, but I want to encourage you. The conversation should not be what great idea can we come uh, to the table with this afternoon so that we can get this ministry on the map and we can do great exploits for God. The question is, where's the little flame that God has already created because he is on a roll? But the problem is not about the vision. The problem is about the focus. If the focus is your life, your creativity, your ability, you're missing the point because all that God is saying is, I want you to declare my plan. <laughs> I want you to come on board with where I'm going. So the challenge lies within spotting the little flame to see where God is moving and to take all of the burden off ourselves and say to ourselves, listen, Nothing that you can invent will be good enough for what God wants to do because he already has an amazing plan. And as soon as you can connect with that, you will start to see your ministry or the ministry that you're serving in um, to just explode 
because God will also provide and he will also direct. Um, and he will also back you. So remember those three things. God will provide, he will direct, and he will back you. I hope you're going to write that in your Bible or at least on your wall or, you know, keep it close by um, because this must be on our, on our um, minds the whole time. God will provide, he will direct, and he will back us in uh, the ministries that we um, are, are, are fulfilling if we are willing to set him first. And so secondly, um, getting to practical things here, is seek those God has aligned to the same plan and start to follow with him God's plan. Um, for Elijah, it means going to the widow and her son. For you, it means that God has already prepared other people that is going to run this race with you. And you're not the ultimate. God can actually do this without you. Um, but God loves to, to move with you. And so um, he's also preparing some other people that are excited about the same thing that's going to run with you. Um, God will never call you only for an assignment. You know, Elijah sometimes thought so because he thought he was the only prophet. It's strange how he said it many times in his ministry. He said, I'm the only prophet um, from you. And it's not true because there was many prophets from God at that time that was um, shouting out and even killed for, for God's name. And often we think, you know, that we are the only, but God is doing great things through other people around us. And he's connecting you with some people that is, um, that is necessary to connect with you at this time. And therefore, um, there's people in our lives that for certain seasons, God is connecting with us and moving with us because they must also fulfill their calling and their hope. For the widow, it means that hope is restored in her life because she's obedient to, to what God is doing in Elijah's life as well. And, and together in the trenches, God allows all of us to thrive because the puzzle pieces come together and we fulfill that which God has called us to. Thirdly, communicate and find each one's contribution within um, this picture. Um, it's so important that Elijah need, needed to be bold about even the role of this widow in his life at this time. A team must always learn to work as one. And this is what Jesus, and we'll be talking about it the rest of the weekend as well, um, I'll be speaking about it on Sunday evening as well. But um, guys, if we can't work together as a team to fulfill God's calling upon our lives together and communicate the vision well to many people that can, can um, recognize it and say, listen, I'm that person that's, um, you know, looking for the sticks and the little flower and for them to all hear where God is moving and to connect what they can give this morning. Um, the word came out that just a, a shelf of books and these books, different, you know, small, big ones, intellectual, academic, uh, some just stories, but each book needs to be on the shelf in order for 
um, it to be a beautiful picture. And uh, I want to just say to you, all of us have a place in the kingdom of God. If we allow ourselves to, to take that vision, that picture that God has given us and to recognize people around us to move forward. Fourthly, and the last one before we uh, end off this morning, this morning session, is determine the best way to reach the destination together. Now, I, wanna, I don't want to spend too much time on this. I know Philip will be speaking about, you know, just changes and things that we need to, um, to focus on um, that, that needs to change. But you know what? If, if we can find that place where we put God first, we start to um, recognize the people that he's also called to fulfill that um, promise. And we start to communicate and find one another's places in it. Um, the best next way is to then start to dream about how we're going to fulfill God's plan together. But you can't do that if you've not knitted your hearts together and um, align yourself with where God is moving. And, uh, and, and for me, it means that you pray, you believe, and you step out together so that God can fulfill um, his commitments into your life. And, uh, and sometimes it means that you are getting it wrong. And uh, it's, it's clear that when you step out in faith, God will very soon and very quickly um, show you uh, if you get it wrong. But you must step out in faith and trust him to fulfill that dream and vision um, in your life. I want to trust this morning with this first session is that um, we will come back to a place where we can set God first. Where we can, um, you know, stop doing great exploits for him and focusing on the servanthood and, you know, on uh, the witnessing even. It's not the four spiritual laws that's going to change people's lives and bring them into the kingdom. It's not the best evangelism training that's going to um, allow the church to grow and ministries to do great things. It's when we start to connect our hearts with God and start to set him first in everything we do. Every decision we make must be aligned with what he is saying. Then people's hearts will connect with ours they will get excited about the same things and we will get the kind of critical mass that will change the world. And um, if we can reach that point where we can um, find that critical mass, God can do great exploits through us. But you know what? We, um, we find it so difficult because uh, we can't even work together with people around us, never, uh, not even, you know, talking about... <laughs> Um, laying down your life so that you can follow God's ways of doing. And I, I'm, I'm not negative this morning, but I, I, I hope you're hearing me, is that let lockdown not bring us to a place where we stay the same. Let us not move to the next normality, you know, where we do things as we've done it in the past and we forget what God wanted to do in this season. Let's just bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your plan in our lives. We thank you, Father God, 
that you direct us, that you back us, and Father, that you even supply in the needs that we have to fulfill your vision. And Father, I know that this also means that you are bringing hope into other people's lives as we trust you, as we follow you, as we even tap into the supernatural, Father God, in your provision, your, your heartbeat for us. I want to pray, Father, that as we even go into breakout sessions now, Father, that you will inspire us to go and look for the little flames that you've already created because you're not confused and you are definitely not out of ideas. And Father God, we, we want to follow you. We want to um, even get rid of the old ways of doing things, Father. We want to get rid of the old structures even that we have. And we want to ask you for new wineskins. We want to ask you to come and transform us to think differently about where you are heading with your church and with each one of us. We love you, Jesus. And we know that you're the commander of this army. We proclaim it over this army, Father, so that your kingdom can come through us. In Jesus' name, amen.